0: You know, sometimes something can be right in front of your face and you completely miss it. When I was in high school, when Kim and I um, were going through high school, we were in the same class together and and, uh, we were good friends for most of our time in school. And when we became seniors at Pepperell, when graduation activities were beginning to be planned, uh, we were asked to sing a duet together at our baccalaureate service for the class of 94. And so up until that point, Kim and I had really just kind of been really good friends growing up through school. Uh, we had gone to the 8th grade dance together. And I know some of you have enjoyed the, the pleasure of that picture uh, that's posted on, in my uh, Facebook archive somewhere. If you haven't seen mine and Kim's 8th grade dance picture and you want a good laugh, you should go look me up on Facebook and go through my pictures and you'll find that. We had that encounter. There was one time uh the summer before our tenth grade year. I had the guts to ask her out on a date, and she agreed and uh But in my eyes, the date went so horribly bad. Um, I lost all of my confidence to ask her out a second time, so we just stayed friends all the way through our senior year but when it came time for our our uh baccalaureate, we um had gotten together to practice, but just About a week before we had gotten together to practice, this was also about a week before prom, Kim's uh, boyfriend had broken up with her. And about a week before the prom, he had broken his date with her for the prom and said, "I I can't take you to the prom anymore. So this was our senior prom, and she found herself without a date. And so in preparation for us being able to sing this song at baccalaureate, She came over to my house one night, and this was about a week before prom, and we were practicing our song. And so we practiced our song. We sang through it three or four times till we felt comfortable. And then I remember uh, very much like it was uh, yesterday. We walked out of the house, and I was trying to be a gentleman, and I walked her out to her car, and we were talking. And in conversation, she had told me what her ex-boyfriend had done to her and how she... Uh, she didn't have a date, and she had already bought a dress and had all the preparations made, but she, she had nobody to go with. And then, and I was saying, oh, that really stinks. That guy shouldn't have done that to you. That was, that was horrible. And so she asks me, who are you going to prom with? Now, time out. <laughs> you would think that any guy with half a brain in his skull and no date to the prom which was me, would see that this was a huge door and that Opportunity was relentlessly and loudly banging on the door. But me being me, didn't quite pick up on that. So she asked, who are you going to prom with? This was my reply. I'm not going to prom. She says, oh, really? Why not? Well, I'm supposed to sing at a talent show. And she goes, oh, well, that's, that's nice. What kind of talent show is it? Well, I'm going to be singing at the youth, the Rome Youth NAACP talent show fundraiser. Oh, Okay. So, no disrespect at all to the NAACP, but that was not the smartest decision I had ever made in my life. I had the chance to go to the prom with my future wife, to our senior prom, and I chose to sing at an NAACP talent show fundraiser. And that's something that we often laugh about uh, a lot, and we kind of joke about, and I've never forgotten it, and we'll never will forget it uh, for the rest of my life. But that is an example of opportunity being right before me to, to see that there was a chance for something great and I completely blew it, completely missed it. Um, and I don't know if you have moments like that in your life, but this morning we're going to look at a story about a guy who had some incredible opportunities in front of him and he completely missed it. I want you to find in your Bible Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to look at the story of Cain and Abel. Now, this is a story that you remember from Sunday school, maybe as you're growing up, or when you were a kid, you remember someone telling you the story of Cain and Abel. And when we hear the story of Cain and Abel, most of the time we tend to think that this is a story about punishment, that this is a story about judgment. And it is in many ways. But even more than that, I think the story of Cain is a story about grace, it's a, it's a story that shows the incredible patience and grace of God in the life of those of us at times who are completely clueless and have no idea of what God is presenting to us and laying before us. So I want you to look with me in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 1 and kind of take a look at this story. Verse 1 in chapter 4 says this. It says that Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. This is the story just like we've heard it before. Uh, Cain and Abel grew up, they were really different guys. They had different talents, different skills. Cain worked as a farmer. Abel was more of a herdsman. He tended to livestock. And so when it came time for sacrifice, for worship, they both brought their sacrifices of their labor. And the Bible tells us that as they brought their sacrifices, Abel's was pleasing to the Lord, but Cain's was not. Now there's not any specifics in that text to tell us exactly why Cain's offering was not pleasing to God. And there are lots of different theories and, and things about why that is. But when you cut down to the heart of the matter, the problem was really the heart of Cain. For whatever reason, the offering that he brought to God, God looked at, and it was not acceptable because it was not sincere. Whatever, um, maybe Maybe Abel didn't follow the directions that God had given him for what was a proper sacrifice. Maybe Cain didn't bring... ...the best of what he had, which is, which is what God expected. Or maybe his heart and his attitude was just completely in the wrong place... ...and, and God said, I can't, I can't take your offering. And so Cain's response to this was anger. It made him mad. And it made him specifically mad, not even so much at God... ...but it made him mad at his brother. Because he was there and he had to see his brother's sacrifice be accepted... And his rejected. So it made him angry. And in that anger, sin began to take a hold of Cain. And so look at what God does. Let's continue to read. Verse 6, actually. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, let's take another time out. This is chance number one. This is the first opportunity that God is introducing grace to Cain. He sees that this emotion of anger welling up in him and he sees the danger of the sin that is about to overtake Cain and he stops and he says, "Look, Cain, I'm going to give you a warning." And if God was not a gracious God, he would not give Cain a warning about what was coming. And if God was not gracious to us, he wouldn't give us warnings when we get too close, when we get too comfortable with sin that is about to take us over. And there's a couple of reasons that God has to give us warnings in our life, and that that he had to give Cain warning here in this case. One is because sin is aggressive. I think sometimes we picture sin as being something that's just a stumbling block for us or just something that's supposed to make it difficult to live a Christian life. But that's not really the case. The, the purpose of sin is not to mess up your witness as a believer. The purpose of sin is not to make you look bad to other people. And the purpose of sin is not to ruin your reputation. The purpose of sin is to destroy you. But because we don't see that, we sometimes like to get comfortable with it. And part of the reason we don't see it is because we're not aware of it. Because sin is a great copycat. It's a great um, disguise. Sin will always hide its true identity. Sin always comes to us and disguises itself as something that's right. Sin will disguise itself as something that's true. And then sometimes it will disguise itself as something that is deserved. How many times before you found yourself in the middle of a sin, you've had this thought, well, I deserve this. Satan will use that one against us a lot. Well, you deserve to have this. You deserve to enjoy this. You deserve to be with this person. You deserve to do that. You've worked hard. People haven't treated you right. You deserve that. And sin will disguise itself. It never comes at you head on as something that's going to take you down because you would know to have your guard up. It's kind of like those lions on the Discovery Channel. They just kind of sneak and they sit and they lie and wait. And they look for that perfect opportunity. That's the kind of picture of sin that God is giving Cain. He says, sin is crouching at your door. It's waiting for you to walk out of the house so that when you least expect it, it's going to take you over. It's not something that just wants to be an inconvenience or just wants to make your life difficult. It wants to kill you. Cain, pay attention. This anger that's coming up in you is going to kill you. It's going to bring death and destruction into your life. You have got to control it. You have got to get it in check. Come to me. This is the first opportunity that God gives in this story. It's grace. It's a chance for Cain to stop and go, Wow, you know what, God, you're right. It's not Abel's fault that you didn't accept my offering. It's mine. Wow, I can't believe I got so angry at him. I'm so sorry. That was the chance for Cain. But Cain... Uh, misses it. So that's chance number one. God tries to extend grace to Cain by saying, look, be careful. Listen to my warning. But Cain misses out on it. Look at verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So obviously, the anger that was rising up in Cain began to get a hold of him. It began to control him to the point where now, in cold-blooded murder, he kills his own brother. So how does God respond? Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother Abel? Why in the world would God come to Cain and ask him where is Abel? God knows exactly where Abel is. God knows exactly what Cain has done. What in the world is he doing? This is chance number two. He's given Cain the chance to come clean. The chance to confess. The chance to say, God, I know where he is. He's, he's buried over in that field because I got so angry and I couldn't control my anger and I just took a rock and I smashed his head in and it killed him. And and he's it, it, it was a chance for Cain to confess to to receive the grace that God had for him. God was extending his hand again, but Cain's response again for the second time. I don't know he replied Which was a lie. And then he follows up the lie with. Am I my brother's keeper? So Cain gives. A response. That shows us two things. He's apathetic. And he's arrogant. He's apathetic because he says I don't know. I don't know where he is. Most of the time when. Uh, when I was a kid and I had done something and I knew I was going to get in trouble and somebody comes to me and said, who did this? What did did you say? I don't know. (laughs) Nobody had to teach you that. That was just part of your natural response. Well, who broke this dish? I don't know. I didn't see it. So in this case... Cain is kind of doing that, but I think even more than that, Cain is, is not only saying, I don't know. He's saying, I don't really care, God. His anger has welled up so much in him, he's come to a point where he doesn't even care. And he goes, I don't know. And I don't really care. And then he takes that a step further, and he has this arrogant response to God. And he says, am I my brother's keeper? Basically to say to God, look, am I my little brother's babysitter? Is it my job to keep up with him and where he is and what he's doing? He still has this anger and bitterness toward his brother even after he's dead. Is it my job to keep up with him? I'm not responsible for him. And so he just flat out lies to God with this arrogant attitude. Sin will affect us in the same way sometimes because... Its presence in our life will convince us that it's there because of somebody else, not because of us. Like, think about it. If Cain kind of gets this honest because there's Adam and Eve before that. and when they broke God's law and God came with a chance for them to be accountable for what they had done, what does Eve say? Well it was the serpent. He treated me. It's his fault. And so then when Adam is called to give an account. As the one who was supposed to be taking care of Eve too. He doesn't just really blame Eve. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. But he kind of blames God. And Adam says. Well it was that woman that you gave me God. That Tripped me up. So she, she, she messed me up. It's her fault. But you gave me her. Before she showed up, I was all by myself. I didn't have anybody to influence me. But now you gave me her and she kind of messed things up for me. So maybe it's kind of your fault, God. Sin will convince us that whatever we've done, whatever we're caught in, whatever bad choices we made... Wasn't our fault that it was somebody else's? Well, your parents were bad. It was because this person didn't treat you fair, this person wasn't nice to you, or this person betrayed you. So, no, 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 no. I think that when God is asking Cain, Where is your brother Abel? what he's really asking is Cain, Where are you? Where, what are you doing? <laughs> This has, this has completely dragged you. This is dragging you further and further away. You're like a carcass that the, that the wolf is just dragging away. What is going on? So, at this point, God decides to let the circumstances of Cain's choices play out. Because God is a God of justice. God is a God of right and so he has murdered so there has to be a consequence for his sin there has to be something to happen but here's chance number 3 so he's he's missed the warning of god first now he's responded to the to the second chance that god's given him with this arrogant apathetic answer and then look at look at verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the land which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. God gives him judgment, punishment. He says, because of your actions, because you've made a series of bad choices, Cain, this is the result of that. And the thing that Cain was best at was taken away from him. He was a farmer. That's what he did. That was his livelihood. And God says, the ground's not, gonna, not just going to give itself to you anymore. You're not going to be able to grow these amazing crops like you always did. You're going you're gonna to have to beg people. For what you need. You're going to be a wanderer all over, the, all over the earth. So he gives out this punishment. And then look at Cain. This, this was the third chance. Now you would think. You would think at this point that if you had gotten caught. Like you're, 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 you're caught and, and punishment is being given to you. At some point you're going to realize I did something wrong. And I need, to, I need to confess, you would think that at some point guilt and remorse would come over Cain and he would realize that this is my chance to come clean before God. That he would say, God, I'm so sorry. But here is his response. Look at verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today, you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. You know what Cain does? He whines. He begins to whine and complain to God about how horrible the circumstances are going to be for him from now on. God has allowed judgment to come into Cain's life and he's resentful of it. And he gives this selfish complaint. He blames God for the judgment that he's brought upon himself because of his bad choices. And I find more often than not, we tend to do that. Same thing. We... Make bad choices. God gives us warnings as he did Cain. Maybe multiple times as we're pursuing a certain path or we're flirting or dancing with this certain sin in our life and we're getting a little close and we're getting a little comfortable and God says, you better watch it. It's like a lion. It's about to take your head off. Get it in check. And we go, no, it's not that big a deal. And we dance around it some more and then we, and we start to enjoy it. And then we're kind of in it again. And then something bad happens. Sin begins to show itself for what it really is, something destructive. And it begins to destroy our life. And when the sin that we choose to let into our life and that we choose to get close to begins to destroy our life, the first person we turn around and blame is God. Why in the world do you let this happen to me? I think what God says to us in that moment is I didn't You did I tried You remember here That was your chance I was trying to warn you I was trying to get your attention But you didn't get it And then later on here When that happened after that That was me trying to get your attention. I was trying to, that was the life preserver. I was throwing that rope to you. Trying to drag you out of that. It was like quicksand. It was like it was sucking you in. And you just ignored me. And then here's this moment. You remember this? That was my grace too. And you missed it. And over and over and over until sin begins to take its, its true nature comes out in our life. And then we turn around and complain to God. And that's what Cain does. Oh, this punishment's more than I can take, God. I didn't ask for this. This is not what I wanted. I think and I think God would say to Cain, This isn't what I wanted for you either. But you kept ignoring me. You kept disregarding my warnings. You kept missing the grace I was trying to show you. And you just ignored it over and over. And sometimes in those moments when sin starts to destroy our life, we start feeling bad and we start feeling sorry, maybe for the things that we've done, and we think, man, this isn't what I wanted. And that emotion of regret becomes really real. But the rescue that God is trying to make happen in our life is repentance. And regret can't be mistaken for repentance. Sometimes we think just because we feel bad about what we've done and we tell God we're sorry, that that fixes everything. Have you ever had your parents, You again, I'm thinking about little kids because really, I mean, we're kind of like this with God. We're all little kids, and he's our dad. You ever remember when you were a little kid and you got in trouble and you got punished, and then at that moment of punishment you start feeling really, really sorry for what you did. And you start saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I won't ever do that again, I'm sorry. And I don't know if your parents ever throw this one at you, but they did with me. You, you ever had your parent look at you and go, no, you're not sorry for what you did, you're sorry because you got caught. They, they, they were absolutely right. It's, it's that there's this remorse over what you've made happen, that you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I won't ever do it again. But regret, sometimes we regret our sin for the wrong reasons. We regret that we've broken God's law, but it's because we just didn't want these bad things to happen. Or sometimes we, we may regret our sin for the right reasons. We may understand that we've broken God's law, and He's trying to extend grace to us, and we understand that regret, but we never move beyond remorse to Repentance. Repentance is not about remorse. Repentance is about removal. God says, I want that gone out of your life. You're not strong enough to get rid of it on your own. You're going to need me, but you're going to have to take some steps toward me and come to me because I'm your father and I'm the one that's going to help you take control of this. You can't do it. And so repentance is that turning to God and saying, I can't handle this anymore. I was playing around with this, and I thought I was strong enough, but it is, it's is—it's latched onto my arm, and I can't get it off, and I need you to save me. And so Cain still, though, in this story, he still refuses to do that, and he's trusting in his own ability to survive and, and go out and, and take care of himself. So he whines to God and he says, Oh, this is too bad. This, these circumstances are too harsh, God. I can't take it. And then verse 15. God is still gracious to Cain. I'm, now I'm thinking at this point, and this is so why I'm not God, I would want to look at the guy and go, I am done with you, pal. Like, I've heard enough of your whining. Just don't even bring that to me anymore. I am, I am done. But this is how God replies to Cain. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain, if anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And so Cain went out from the presence, the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. God has such compassion and such grace for Cain in this story that even when Cain deliberately chooses to ignore every chance that he's had, God still says, you know what, I'm going to protect you and keep you safe. I'm not going to let anybody kill you. And he put some sort of a mark, and we don't know exactly what that looked like or how that worked out, but it was a signal to any other foreign people that he came in contact with that we better not mess with this guy. It it caused them to fear um, the thought of of messing with Cain. And so God, even even in Cain's arrogant defiance of, of, of being responsible for his sin... God still shows him mercy. He still shows him compassion. But he completely missed it. This story is huge. It it is just dripping with grace. It is dripping with second chances. It It is dripping with mercy from God. But Cain misses every single chance. The first chance God gives him. Cain's just unwilling to take his sin seriously. The second chance he gives him, Cain isn't willing to take responsibility for what he's done. And he even arrogantly lies to God's face. And then the third time, he has the chance to to see God's grace. He misses it because he resents God for allowing him to deal with the circumstances that his own choices brought about in his life. Cain missed God's grace every time because he gave sin way, way too much freedom in his life. And as a result, that sin slowly took control of him. If you notice in the Old Testament, all of these people, it happened to Adam and Eve. When they they sinned and broke the law of God, they had to go east. When Cain... Broke God's law, he went east. There's kind of a consistency in the symbolism in in this part of the Old Testament. When people broke God's law and were separated from him, they went east. It's only until Abraham, that when God chooses Abraham and he tells him to get up and go, Abraham gets up and goes west. He begins a pursuit toward God. He begins in obedience and all these others whose legacy turned out to be disobedience they all went east I don't know I don't know how many of us are going east right now but today is a chance for you to turn around and go west this you think well what is what is the deal with this story this story is a big deal because It says to us right now, sitting in this room, that this is your moment. We see here there's at least three chances that Cain had. And he missed every single one of them. Wherever you are, if you're a non-believer, if you're a believer, you're sitting in this room. And God's message to you this morning is this is a moment. You've read where Cain had three right here and he blew them. Here's one for you right now. What are you going to do?